Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. It is Friday. It's June the 16th, and we are halfway through the month of June. We are uh, halfway through this year, and what a year it's been. We've had an absolutely historic week, a week that has almost no rivals, I would say, in, uh, in modern history. We had a former president of the United States indicted. We're in the middle of what they call Pride Month, which is apparently this radical LGBT celebration of... Um, debauchery that has to be forced on us and thrust upon us in the public sphere. And we are starting to see, in a very interesting way, a backlash. We also had some historic revelations of lying by the FBI. We had some uh, classic stonewalling that happened in front of Congress. And I'm going to be joined in a little bit here by my buddy, Steve Friend, the notorious real Steve Friend, a uh, author. He is the senior fellow, I believe, for law enforcement, but he's going to have to tell us what his fellowship is actually in uh, at the Center for Doing America. And his book dropped this week, True Blue. So we're going to have a good time getting into it. He's back by popular demand, and Friday seems like a good time to have your buddy Steve Fred on. Uh, before we get to any of those things and all the articles that we want to kind of cover with you, make sure that you are prepared for your weekend with plenty of outrage and motivation. I do want to first say thank you to my sponsors. And uh, let's see. There you are in the live chat. Look at all these folks out here. You guys are getting riled up. The, uh, the live chat is rocking already. It started about a 45 minutes early. And uh, I want to say thanks to Eric Jason for being our moderator out there. So let's let's pop up our sponsors real quick. First, uh, Patriot Coolers. Let me just show you. There's mine right here. I've got my Patriot Cooler sitting right on my desk here. My OD Green. It's filled with water right now, keeping me hydrated. I've already caffeinated. And uh, here is a little shot of their website with the hard coolers they have. These are going to be like the Yeti-style lockable tops. I don't know if they're bear-proof or not, but they look like you could probably toss them out of a helicopter. They say Patriot on the side. They've got those 13 uh, stripes on the side of it, just like our American flag. And you can use promo code KYLE, K-Y-L-E, promo code KYLE, K-Y-L-E, for 10% off. If you spend more than 50 bucks, which is pretty easy to do because you're going to want more than one tumbler if you do. And if you buy any of these coolers, that's going to get you free shipping. Again, over 50 bucks, free shipping, 10% off for any of that using the promo code KYLE, K-Y-L-E. And what else do we got? We've got our buddies over at Catholic Vote. You guys know them. This is America's top Catholic advocacy organization. They are in the fight for faith, family, and freedom. They are boycotting the Dodgers right now, as you can see scrolling across your screen. They are trying to keep literary garbage and pornography out of public schools, which is going to be a topic we talk about today. And you can get The Loop, which is their email. I get it every morning. It's something I check out as I uh, prep for this show. Just punch in your email and your zip code, and they will give you location-appropriate emails, uh, getting you riled up and ready for whatever's going on in the day. A great source of news and also a fantastic organization suing the FBI, who we'll be talking about in just a second here. All right, folks, uh, without too much further ado, let's bring on the man, the myth, the author. This is the real Steve Friend. There he is. How's it going, buddy? Uh, you're muted still. <laughs> And the, how about now? You got me now? Oh, now that we have you. All right. There it is. Live stream. Um, this is the yeah, nature of the I'm, live. 
I'm having a good week here, man. I'm the world's most okayest author. Um, and I say that because I've had some great feedback from people. Everybody's saying, great book, Steve. I read it the first day I got it. So now I'm thinking it might have been um, more of a pamphlet than a book. <laughs> really? People have already crushed through it. Yeah, yeah. I've had multiple people tell me, hey, I, I sat down and read it in one sitting, which is pretty, I mean, I, good on you. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a lot of speed readers out there. I, I thought I put a lot of words, a lot of good words in there. But uh, as like many easy words read, as, at least. Yeah, as many words but, as you could fit. And you had something going on there where we had uh, uh, Alpha Luna was uh, showing it the other day. It looked like it was small words he was complaining about with uh, not very big margins. So people are reading it quickly. That's pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So n nice uh, summer reading by the pool. You don't have to put too much uh, in-depth thought into it. So you're getting a lot of welcomes in the uh, in the chat there. You've got uh, folks that are happy to see you here on this particular episode on Friday. This is kind of a segment we've been talking about, you and I have been talking about doing, called Friendly Friendly Fridays, and uh, why not? Uh, what, a, what a week it's been. I'm going to kind of just throw out what we're going to be talking about. You and I will get into this, and um, what we're talking about today is going to be Apparently, Fox News is very bad because they referred to Joe Biden as a potential dictator. We have uh, a piece that you wrote over at UncoverDC.com talking about the FBI and some maybe different meanings for those letters. And then we've got, uh, you know, a couple of things that have been revealed. Uh, the, the former head of the Washington field office, Steve D'Antuano, uh, sort of a case that broke the other day uh, from The Intercept showing the classic FBI entrapment cases. And then uh, we got a couple of videos talking about this LGBT Pride Month, which is not going the way that the uh, the prideful maybe would prefer it, huh? No, no, it's not. It's definitely been a, a muted Pride Month. I mean, I feel like they, they more more of the pastel colors than the bold. So, <laughs> the pastel. So we've got, uh, we had Eric in there. Somebody actually just recognized that if you go and you type in flag on the iPhone for the emojis, that the United States flag is not the first one, even though if you are a U.S.-based person, that would be sort of your expectation that you would catch an American flag. What do you think? Are they trying to uh, subjugate the American flag with this uh, this tranny pride flag thing? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And we had a message sent to us yesterday that uh, I guess on the FBI, I, I, maybe it's a Samsung issue, but you have the ability to change the color settings. And there's an entire selection of pride colors that's uniquely pulled out and made available for you to pick uh, for your color settings. Did you tweet that out or is that something that's been shared publicly or are we kind of sitting on that? No, I didn't put it out. It was a, a, G, a GOB actual got it and sent it over. Um, so we could probably put it out. He's pretty cool with us sharing that content. Yeah. So folks, if you're not hearing exactly what he's talking about, the uh, the FBI uses Samsung devices for all of their mobile communications. These are paid for, you know, by the taxpayer dollars. And then Samsung apparently has made it a possibility to set a color scheme in honor of Pride Month. And it literally is rainbows and it's called Pride. It's It's not even hiding the ball there. And so this is on a government device, which many of us have noted may in fact be a Hatch Act violation. And yet, they're all flying the pride flags in front of the FBI field offices, so I guess it's not. They just do whatever the hell they want. But um, let's let's go ahead and uh, launch into sort of the um, the response. Crushing dissent is the name of this particular episode, and so we're going to talk about the response that we saw um, to the former president of the United States being indicted, being um, being showing up for an initial appearance in Miami, and then he flew and gave a speech. And during that speech, there was a moment. 
uh, that was being covered on Fox News for 27 seconds. And uh, Steve, you're not seeing this, but we pulled up this uh, this article. This is a article on CNN's business. It's written by the uh, very masculine, hyper-masculine Oliver Darcy, a, a gentle-looking man with gentle-looking features and gentle-looking circular glasses. And uh, the article is entitled, White House Rips Fox News as the right-wing channel launches sinister attacks on Biden. And that sinister attack was a 27-second Chiron, for those of you who are not familiar with it, a 27-second Chiron that referred to Joe Biden as a possibly, uh, as a wannabe dictator who was um, arresting his political rival. And so I'm just going to read a couple of little pieces of it, and then we'll talk about it for a moment here. It says, over the last 24 hours, the right-wing talk network, I love that they always do that. That's why I love saying that these are, this left-wing CNN um, has targeted, okay, now we're talking about the language of violence, because that's how they have to do it, President Joe Biden and his administration with unseemly lines of attack, bashing the Democratic White House with smears that represent lows, even for a channel that is home to dangerous and incendiary rhetoric. First, Fox News outrageously labeled Biden a wannabe dictator with an on-screen banner on Tuesday night. This is obviously earlier in the week. And then declared that he had ordered his political rival arrested. And so the banner matched hours of reckless commentary from the news networks or from the network's top hosts and personalities in the wake of disgraced former President Donald Trump's arraignment. This is the most colorful, creative writing assignment. Um, This is pretty fantastic stuff. So then it says uh, that the outlet outs absurdly cited critics suggesting the White House had flown a controversial new transgender flag that promotes grooming and pedophilia. It goes on and on like this. And the response was Creon, what is her name? Karine Jean-Pierre, Karine Jean-Pierre, also known as Sideshow Bob, I think. Sideshow Bob. The White House press secretary said, there are probably 787 million things I can say about this that was wrong what we saw last night, but I'm not going to get into it. So even though there are there are <laughs> triple-digit million responses, she will give you exactly zero because you don't deserve it. Um, what say you about our president currently arresting his political rival? Is that the stuff of a wannabe dictator or is that the stuff of a legit dictator? I think there's only two possibilities. It's legitimate banana republic stuff, absolutely. But you look at the response, it's it's always, well, this is the more colorful version of the Republicans pounce pushback that you get from the media. So don't pay attention to what we're doing. Just the fact that you notice it is what we're going to discuss. In this case, uh, President Biden's Attorney General, because apparently he doesn't consult the president before he arrests, you know, a, a former president. Uh, but a, a member of his administration facilitated the investigation and arrest of a former president who is his chief political rival. I think that pretty much meets the the standard storyline that you see in every South American tin pot dictatorship story that we've seen, you know, in from time forever. And, yeah, that's, that, uh, and that is to... <laughs> that's the 20th century model, right? It's like uh, yeah, gain power, that's... throw out the guy who might take it from you, make sure that they can't talk. If they Correct. do, crush them with everything you got. And, and I remember pretty – it was right after Trump got elected. He beat Hillary because there was all that talk, lock her up, lock her up. And he kept saying throughout the campaign, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arrest her. And then he pretty in short order said, like, oh, she's been she's a nice lady. She's been through enough. I'm not going to give her a hard time. And I believe it was Mike Lee 
uh, was d doing an interview with the, I forget who it was with, but th that person was pretty outraged. They said, you know, this is going back on a campaign promise and she's, a, she's corrupt and she's committed crime that she needs to be held accountable. And he made the comment, he said, like, we, we don't do that in this country. That's the stuff of a banana republic. You know, we, the, we're moving on from that. And, uh, and if we sort of break the seal on it, then we're going to go the way of a lot of those South American countries. And I think now we're actually We've broken the seal, toothpaste out of the tube on it. Um, so let me let me ask you this. Um, I've been told by the left-wing media, which I have to keep track of now just because of what I do, and uh, I've been told on pretty good authority that we elected Joe Biden, we being apparently 81 million Americans, elected Joe Biden in order to return honesty and decency to the White House. And that looks like arrest your political opponent and also put a dude who has uh, boob implants topless on the White House long. Your thoughts? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you just made a mistake in there was a it was lost in translation. Honesty and decency were the names of the drag queens that he was going to be hosting oh. during the Pride Month. Was like like on the left and the right, like my buddy has two <laughs> arms and he's like, you're going to you're going to upset the Hammer Brothers. I got Jack and I got Sledge and he does that kind of thing. This is yes. honesty and decency are the names of the nipples of this this transgender person. Yes, and, and and integrity is following behind with the, you know, integrity with, with is, the, is the, uh, the, got poor the, chop. Girl. Yeah, the 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 integrity is the poor female who chopped off all of her body parts. <laughs> correct, correct. So that's yeah, fantastic. It was that's not bad on you, man. That's bad on you. But briefly, can can I be an equal opportunity basher of uh, of right wing media on this too? Please. Um, so the, obviously, President Trump's supposed to represent this populist movement on the right. Um, when does populism on the right actually, isn't it supposed to be about the people? But we've had people sitting in gulags for two and a half years, and the outrage, though, gets mustered for the billionaire. You're right. That is true. And he didn't go to prison for it. He's sitting and he's going to be on his own recognizance. There is something to be said about that. Yeah, I, I think you're correct. I want to continue to uh, to add this because this this little CNN piece was not... The only bit of it, I'm going to bring this up on the screen real quick here. So um, Fox News producer behind the Chiron calling Biden a wannabe dictator parts ways with the network. So as was called out by Tucker Carlson uh, the other day, he was the former managing editor over there. This is a guy named Andrew McCaskill. We have Rachel Sharp reporting for The Independent, the British newspaper, um, noted that uh, this guy McCaskill, who had been there for over a decade, and uh, I, I remember seeing uh, Tucker talking about this the other day on his little um, Tucker on Twitter bit, that uh, they, they managed to get rid of the one person who put on this 27-second Chiron, apparently. They had to find somebody that was guilty of it. And so they uh, they they tossed him out claiming that uh, he was part of the misogynistic and toxic culture of the show and uh, said that he was mean to her. And uh, there was a, another producer that said uh, he was mean because she was Jewish, because that's a thing. <laughs> so now we have, uh, I guess, Jews can be protected again. And interesting to me, and I didn't even think about it until I'm just looking at it right now. We heard that that Karine Jean-Pierre said that there was 787 uh, million reasons why that Chiron was wrong. Did you know that the settlement with the Dominion voting systems was $787 million oh, specifically? Oh, that was her little double entendre. I didn't, I didn't even recognize that until just now looking at it. But uh, uh, that's 787. Well, that could have been the stimulus package. That was $787 billion. I remember that number. Uh, but they, then, well, I mean, I was kind of surprised she didn't say 666 because of her they, proclivities <laughs> in her private life. 
<laughs> That's very troubling. Uh, pretty gross. They said that uh, the guy, Tucker, was actually very, uh, he was speaking in praise of this particular producer and uh, noting that he was uh, an outstanding person at what his job was and that he did a great job for over a decade. And then, of course, he's tossed out. And then here's the best part. I'm going to bring this up real quick here, too. This is just going to continue the last piece of this little coverage. This says Fox News issued a statement on the Chiron. This is coming from thehill.com and reported by a guy named Dominic Mastrangelo. Mastrangelo? That's a great name. Uh, you can't hate on that. So he said that uh, Fox News put out this, um, you know, this statement. It said that it was taken down immediately and was addressed. And by was addressed, we have that prior piece saying that they actually removed the uh, the individual responsible for putting that thing up. I'm guessing he can probably go work for Tucker Carlson in the uh, the new Tucker Carlson on Twitter piece because um, well, he won't he won't have a place at PBS. You know. Uh, tax funder pay funded organization that ran a Chiron apparently when Trump was doing his speech after the uh, arraignment. And it, it, he was talking about, yeah, you know, I forget what he was talking about, but the Chiron said like the 2020 election was the safest and most secure in the history of the nation. We have been told, we have been yeah. told this. It must be true, I believe, right? I mean, the, it, that's what's going on. It was the safest and most secured election in history. There are even little Chirons running on it. But like you say, yeah, he's not going to get a job over at that um, Steve, I want you to introduce the piece that you wrote. This obviously goes back uh, about a week and a half now. Um, this was a piece you did over at Uncovered DC. Kind of tell people what it is. Since we're talking Pride Month, we're talking about what's going to be the inevitable backlash. But this is um, sort of another instance of dissent being crushed, and this time within the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And by crushing it, uh, we're going to see some additional examples. But uh, here's what happens when you crush people. You do get people resisting not not like a hashtag resist where you have the mainstream media every single corporation and all of the big political donors resisting along with every branch of government resisting a president this is actual resistance which is going to form because you're shoving something down people's throat so um fbi what, what did you change the letters to well they love to say that it stands for uh, fidelity bravery integrity but i i think that it could probably be reimagined to faith-based institution so faith-based institution, uh, we have here, if you're not watching on our Rumble channel, we've pulled up the actual article from UncoveredDC.com, and they're showing uh, the letters Pride with rainbows behind it, and it says the FBI ce uh, celebrates Pride Month in June of 2023. Kind of give people a sense of what uh, what your takeaway was on this. Yeah, these were actually two different examples, and you know, full disclosure, I don't work for the FBI anymore. I don't have access to this information. This is being sent to me by people on the inside. Uh, so this is rank and file people that recognize what is going on and they're unhappy with it and want this information to get out there. But obviously, for good reasons, they want to remain anonymous and not face the retaliation that you and I uh, have faced for the last, you know, for you, a couple of years. Yep. Um, but uh, two separate examples that I felt demonstrated that the FBI is fully committed to the Church of Woke. And, and the first was from D-Day, June 6th, when Christopher Ray. Uh, had this virtual town hall that was available to everybody to watch where he he brought in the the monkeypox doctor and uh, who's a, a avowed occultist and satanist and obviously a raging homosexual and uh and and for, for those who are not seeing the uh, the rumble page we just pulled it up so this is from the, there's a picture from plus magazine that was cut in by uh, tracy beans and the editors over there and it shows this guy what's his name uh 
Dimitri uh, Dasklaskis, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so I call him Monkeypox Doc. Yeah, he's the Monkeypox Doc, say. and he is wearing a suit with an unbuttoned shirt and a satanic-themed bondage leather, I don't know, body holster, whatever the hell that thing is, that is strapped across his chest, showing a pentagram in the middle of it made out of leather and metal. And, uh, and he is making a very serious pose with spread legs. Pretty uh, disturbing stuff. Okay, so they brought this guy in. Do people know that? Do people know that they brought this doctor in to give a speech? This was at what, FBI headquarters? Uh, I, I don't know where the location was. I know it was streamed and made available because it was one of, could be fulfilled one of your three required diversity trainings for the year that you could at attend or view this. Uh, they gave him some award of, of recognition or appreciation. Apparently there was a discussion about why they had to call it M-Pox because monkeypox is, is racist. Yeah, it is um, racist. Have you th <laughs> have you thought about that before you started saying it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I refuse to comply to idiocy. So There's I call that. it what it is. Okay. Uh, and then the, just the timing too is is look, you would think the FBI is pretty aware of you know significant dates on the calendar. And uh, June sixth is D Day. You know the day that we recognize the thousands of um, of Americans, but even other members of the Allies that stormed the beaches of Normandy in the actual true conquest against fascism. Uh, gave their lives for that. There were guys that were getting not, you know, that never, never came home again. And 18 years old, signed up, some forged their, their date of birth and were joined at 16 and 17. True bravery. And, and to contrast that with what we're now calling brave, especially from the, from the White House, is the bravest amongst us is just being willing to, I guess, you know, cut your junk off and uh, pr pretend that you're pretty. And that's, that's bravery now. So the, the FBI yeah, should certainly be, be aware of that as being a, a, a day and, and to choose that in the entire month that they're allotted for their pride festivities, I thought was pretty telling about their devotion to this new religion of wokeism. Okay, so we, we covered the monkeypox doc. That's part one. And then there's some other things on there that are actually pretty weak and pretty woke. And uh, maybe you can kind of touch on what those look like, too. Yeah, so, so Jenny Moore, uh, as a parting gift on her way out the door into retirement, uh, determined that there's now going to be an additional uh, gift of three hours to every FBI employee for their mental and physical wellness that they can use throughout the week paid. And uh, it just seems like that's theft of taxpayer funds that you shouldn't be there. And you certainly shouldn't have a security clearance if you have a, a mental wellness concern. Uh, but just I'm a math guy, man. Like if in you know, the FBI agents themselves get paid for a 50 hour week. But how many of them do you know who actually work 50 hours? Very few. It's 40. So they take their lunch. Uh, they get their three paid hours a week to work out. And now they get their three paid hours a week to have mental wellness. So that's 11 out of 40 hours. 27 and a half percent of their time to not investigate cases and make about $130,000 salary, you know, prorated for that. Do you want to explain to people what that that AVP looks like? Because uh, what you just said, you you it's common to us. Like we know that, but I don't think yeah. a lot of people do. Yeah. So the the GS pay scale that you can look, it's available at the uh, the OPM website where you'd be able to theoretically see what government employees earn. Uh, there's an adjustment for law enforcement personnel. It's called uh, availability pay, and it's uh, you don't get overtime. Overtime is only a special consideration. You need approval from headquarters to get it, so it's pretty rare. Uh, but in recognition of the fact that you might be called to come in and work at odd times, they take your base salary and plus it up by 
So if you make $100,000, you'll uh, a base pay, you'll be paid $125,000. And that's that's what's called AVP in the, uh, in the FBI. So folks, many of you are, are probably not aware, and you'll go out there and you'll do a Google search and you'll find out that an FBI salary, people are like, oh, it's only 50 or 65,000. Well, that's the opening salary. And then there's what he just said, AVP or availability pay. It's also known as law enforcement availability pay or LEAP, LEAP. And so all the federal agents that work under the 1811 code get this pay bump. What we're talking about right now is Jenny Moore, also known as Drunk Jenny, the former, now retired, assistant or executive assistant director of the Human Resources Department, probably the most powerful person within the FBI, was able to kind of push through on her way out the door this bonus package and trying to get FBI agents to be able to do less work. It's already a pretty forgiving thing. I've never had anybody count my hours except my first boss. Um, when I had no work to do, that was when they were most interested in the scrutiny. When I had unlimited amounts of work to do, um, I never had anybody care about it. I don't know if you had the same kind of experience, but when you're working things like Indian country, there's you know there's there's always a call out. There's always a possibility that you're going to go out into the middle of nowhere at some god awful hour. So you work that availability time. But a lot of agents, especially the ones that are working the national terrorism stuff or the uh, counterintelligence sort of products, these national security pieces, they oftentimes do not work those 10 hours, as Steve was just saying. So you're talking about just this gift. And then because there's a fitness requirement, every agent is given another three hours just for fitness. So once again, it is, um, it, it's a, it's kind of a squandering of government resource. Somebody else, who was it? Garrett was telling us that we should change the name of the FBI to just the fraud, waste and abuse division <laughs> of the, uh, of the DOJ, because it yes. just, it, they don't, they don't seem to care about the accountability of the American people, which we're going to cover here a little bit longer in just one second. But any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I think it's you know it's just sort of indicative of they're not worried about the the seven deadly sins here, where you know they and with pride being the most prominent thing, and then sloth and uh, and uh, you know, just greed and and lust and all those uh, things that we're you know a, a faith based person is is concerned about. Uh, the FBI is embracing wholeheartedly, and, uh, and that was sort of the point of my my column I sent over to Tracy at Uncover DC. And then the last little piece here, which we're obviously uh, alluding to, and that includes things like the um, the phone, which is showing a Pride Month option, and also this communication that you guys are seeing on the screen right here coming from FBI Communications. This is an FBI All um, letter that went out from the Office of Diversity and Inclusion showing the strength of various different color string being woven together for the FBI's 2023 observance of Pride Month. Um, our friend FBI Panty Raid on Twitter has been putting out fantastic satire-type pieces. Um, they're, they're not so much satire as probably just like they're a couple of years early. Yeah, he's just sending yeah. out like this template, but it's a bunch of things like bring your trans kid to work day and make sure you carry your rainbow colored Glock. And there's a whole bunch of these other little sillinesses. But, uh, you know, he's convinced people that are even like in the inside that they're, they're it's not satire. If you don't, if you're not careful, you can see people being sucked in because the formatting is spot on. It's it's really, really good. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the satire is so believable because of the nature of the FBI at this point that 
it is a faith-based institution that is, in fact, bought in 100% to the Church of Woke, as you said. And so these people are looking like these are missiles coming out from this church, that these are uh, dictates coming out of a legitimate organization telling you that you're going to, in fact, carry this like weird technicolored Glock and so on. And people are pissed about it. And then, you know, the last line of it says in very small print, like in the satire piece, <laughs> highly believable. That is a sign of excellent satire, I would say, in many ways. Um, I want to talk about the other ways that we lose credibility and the credibility that we are going to be talking about now is January 6th related. So obviously Trump arrested on essentially a get Trump idea. And then now we have this January 6th piece. This is coming from Revolver News, Revolver News, which is revolver.news. And this is, I assume, written by Darren Beatty. The article is entitled, Former Head of FBI J6 Pipe Bomb Investigation Come Clean with a Stunning Admission. I don't want any conspiracies right. First of all, uh, this individual is Steve D'Antuano. So we're going to bring up the uh, the page right there. Steve D'Antuano, what a, a fun little graphic. You've got, um, you've got Chris Ray trying to put out this candle. If you're not watching our channel, you can see this. Uh, definitely go visit Revolver. This was from uh, day before yesterday. And it's a pipe bomb with the words FBI on it with some like duct taped pieces. There's a little candle burning like a birthday candle. Chris Ray spraying an FBI fire extinguisher. Merrick Garland pointing to a um, a kitchen timer. And then Steve D'Antuano, who is now an accountant at KPMG, got a senior partnership coming out of it. And apparently he was interviewed by our friends over at the Judiciary Committee and had Congressman Thomas Massey ask a bunch of questions related to the pipe bomb. And the answers were pretty stunning. Um, I have been saying for a while that people have explained to me, both EOD people that are not part of the FBI, just looking at the photos released of this of that bomb, and then also people that were part of the counter IED mission were telling us at the time that these were inert devices. And there's some speculation. I just was in a Twitter space last night, people speculating, well, were they inert because they were a training device and they were actually produced by the government? There's no indication that that's necessarily the case, although I think... We would agree it's it's certainly a possibility. But uh, what he did say was is that these devices were not they were not able to detonate. They were not set up in a way that they were going to be uh, actual explosives. They may have had some explosive type material. And then the biggest piece was about the geofencing technology. Did you read any of this stuff, Steve? Yes. Yeah, I read it. Julie uh, Kelly was doing some yeoman's work on exposing that stuff. For sure. Why don't you tell people about the geofencing failure, even though it's been so good at uh, grabbing people from January 6th stuff? Yeah, the only the only failure that they had for geofencing, apparently. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're it's basically a GPS for your phone, and they used it, and the uh, the phone companies basically gave it over uh, in order to see if a phone was in the Capitol, and they were using that to target people for investigations for the January 6th event. Uh, and so it would stand to reason that that sort of technology would be incredibly useful here in this case because of the time of day that the uh, surveillance video shows that this individual is putting the alleged pipe bombs in place, sort of this odd time of night. There wasn't a lot of traffic around. Maybe that could be useful. And uh, wouldn't you know it, there was a failure of, of, of data was corrupted in some way or another, and they just couldn't pinpoint that location or time. Uh, how convenient for uh, the FBI to be able to say like, whoopsie, you know how it goes, yesterday's technology tomorrow. That's it. That's true. I want to read a direct quote um, that they have taken out of the transcription of D'Antuano's 
interview. Folks, I'm going to put it up on the screen here and I will read it as well because I know the print can be sometimes a little bit small. It says, so there's a lot of cell phone data that came in. Yes. By the way, he says the word right about a thousand times in the middle of this, which is pretty bizarre. So he says, yes, um, there's a lot of da uh, phone data that came in. Yes. I've seen the same video. I've watched the same video. We put out the same video. It looks like a phone. Was it a real phone? Uh, not a real phone. Was it a ruse? Was it a, you know, I picked up my phone several times going to meetings and, oh, yeah, I got this call and walk out, right? The phone's not on, right? So the person was just sitting there trying to pretend like they're on a bench taking a call. We don't know until we find the person, right? And ask them those questions. I don't, I don't like Steve D'Antoine comes mean, off as a moron in this. I got to, I got to finish reading it just so we can get through and then I'll get your Steve's laughing in the background. Cause it's pretty bad. And then here's the emphasis added by Darren, uh, Darren Beatty over here. He says, we did a complete geofence. We have complete data. Well, not complete because there's some data that was corrupted by one of the providers, not purposely by them, right? Just, uh, unusual circumstances that we have uh, corrupt data from one of the providers. I'm not sure. I can't remember right now, which one, but uh, for that day, which is awful because we don't have the information to search. So could it have been the that provider? Yeah, with our luck, you know, with this investigation, it probably was, right? I mean, uh, so we did have that. That data wasn't corrupted. It wasn't purposely corrupted. I don't want any conspiracy theories, right? So to my knowledge, it wasn't corrupted, you know, but there could have been good data and good information that we don't have, right? So that's just painful for us not to have. So we looked at everything. Uh, what, what is that guy Th who talks like that? Number one, it's a person who is a complete beta male, but has been in a position of authority for a very long time. So that when he holds court, he's the highest ranking person in the room. So everybody nods along because he's the boss man. Right. And when he sat in front of an adversarial group that was in that deposition where they were either attorneys or Congress people for the Republican side that were just staring daggers back through him. He kept saying, right, right, wanting to get that sort of nonverbal affirmation and wasn't getting it and was getting more and more uncomfortable because he knows this is a complete CYA on his part. He carried the water on Whitmer. He carried the water on J6. And eventually the powers that be saw that he just lacked the chops to continue to just be a psycho within the FBI. And we're like, all right, we'll make sure you, we land you a great retirement gig as an accountant at KPMG. And he's probably pretty, pretty ticked off that that's where he landed and is now coming in saying, like, I'm not carrying the water on this. I'm going to be a stalwart of democracy and, and come and, and shed light on what went on. And instead, he's been like, well, well now you're throwing me in the, the pool with the other guys. And it's like, hey, hey, man, you were in on it. Now that you not, not being in now doesn't me mean that you're not responsible for what went on for those years leading up to uh, before your retirement from the bureau. People like your beta male and um, referring to him as a turd. You're seeing the, the chat kind of uh, not really enjoying what he's about. Well, I, wanna, I don't know Steve Vantuano, but I know people who know Steve Vantuano. Um, Producer Phil has told some some pretty good stories uh, where uh, I'd, I'd be pretty confident that if he was on fire, I wouldn't pee on him to put it out just on Phil's behalf. Yeah, Phil's not a big fan. Um, he was actually the, the boss of the Washington field office while I was there before I left as well. So... There's that. Um, I want to read a direct quote out of this article here because I think this is really kind of damning. And people have asked me, is this the whistleblower effect? The fact that uh, guys like me and you have come forward, the fact that I've actually told people like, look, I think this is the American people's information. I think that people should know that these were not viable devices if they were not, as I was told. And uh, and here we go. So I'm going to read something from D'Antuano in this article. It says, um, 
Mr. D'Antuano was also asked whether the pipe bombs had live explosives and whether they were or whether they were decoys. Mr. D'Antuano's acknowledgement that despite the reports, the bombs were viable in his estimation. They were not set to go off as the kitchen timers attached to the devices could not have detonated them. In other words, they were taped on there, but didn't have the ability to actually detonate. There was no power source on it. And in a critical concession, D'Antuano admitted that the timer used on the pipe bomb, this is a quote, the timer used on the pipe bomb could not have detonated the pipe bombs on January 6th, given the time already elapsed between the placement and the discovery, which is something that uh, those of us who have been tracking this also looked at. You know, if you have any background with improvised explosives, it had a one hour kitchen timer and these things were supposedly placed the night before. Big problem for those of us that would be looking at it to actually explode. Why was it set? Um, you know, why was it found 20 minutes before one o'clock when the final breach happened? And these things supposedly had 20 minutes left on the timers, but they also still have 20 minutes left on the timers because they were permanently fixed at 20 minutes left on the timers. These were not functional. They were actually stopped on there for effect. And then we also find in this article, which I think is also incredibly bizarre, that we don't even know if the woman who discovered these devices, or at least the device outside of the DNC, was interviewed. Like, you you worked actual crimes, um, sort of transactional business for the FBI. If somebody were to have come to you on an Indian reservation and have they found an explosive, and you went and you guys dealt with it, and let's say it wasn't real, doesn't matter if it was or not, would you have any interest in talking to the person that found the device as part of your investigation? Of course you would, but you know, that was obviously too granular for him to become involved in because he was a big time executive management level person within the FBI, which is actually probably the most honest and transparent thing that he said in all of this. But yeah, I don't know what they did investigatively. I, I haven't done investigating for decades, so I, I'm probably not the authority on what would be the reasonable, logical step to take to, to find the bad guy. Steve Antuano has no idea. No, it doesn't seem to. And then just according to this article here, we'll go ahead and read one more little piece of it. It says, according to Jordan's letters, this is Jim Jordan at the, uh, the Judiciary Committee, D'Antuano's acknowledgement that it would be Investigation 101 to interview the individuals who discovered the bombs, yet he was unable to confirm whether the FBI had taken this basic investigative step, which is remarkable indeed. Uh, D'Antuano is the face of the most high-profile and serious of the January 6th-related investigations, but he's unable to say for certain, whether his people took the basic investigation 101 step of interviewing the individuals who discovered the bombs. For that matter, he was unable to say whether Carlin Younger, this is the person who uh, discovered that that uh, DNC bomb, was even ruled out as a suspect, and if so, why she was ruled out. So that's fun. Um, just high levels of competency, and this is going to bring us to our next little piece here. Uh, but Investigative 101, not necessarily required if you work for the FBI. So let's talk about what is required. It is required that you get counterterrorism stats. Do you want to talk to people? I know this was your whistleblower allegation. It was a piece of it, at least. Uh, the juicing of the stats. And then we're going to get into something that happened literally this week, juicing the stats. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just been going on for decades. Trevor Aronson has reported on it. And uh, we just saw the most recent example of it in The Intercept. But essentially, what I talked about with the January 6th has nothing to do with the actual January 6th. It is a process that's going on that January 6th is the most egregious example of. And that is you take one incident, and instead of investigating it on paper as one incident, you open a different case for every single per person. Now, you might achieve the same result. So scale it down a little bit. Garrett had a similar whistleblowing on that. He had a case where there was uh, a group of four people. 
And instead of opening up one case and investigating four subjects, he was told open four different cases with one suspect and just copy and paste everything you do. And the reason for that administrative hurdle is now you've forexed the number of cases that are in your office, and those are tied to the integrated program management quota system that the FBI has in place where they have to open up a certain number of cases and get a certain number of stats. And it creates this arbitrary statistical metric for them to show that they're successful and they're show that they're awesome. But it also is incredibly deceptive to the country because now the president, attorney general can say, we have thousands of domestic terrorists around the country when in fact they're trespassing people on the, in the, uh, for the January 6th case. It's thousands of people that walked into the Capitol. Are they really, because they happen to live in Daytona Beach where I live, are they a threat as a terrorist? Is there going to be an attack in Daytona Beach because the person went to Trump's speech and then walked to the Capitol? No, it's a complete misconception. So one of the things I heard you say the other day, and I actually thought it was um, an excellent way of phrasing it. I'd never heard it said exactly that way. You mentioned something about the incentive structure for local police regarding statistics and the way that they are they benefit, and then the way that uh, the FBI benefits from crime statistics. Do you mind elaborating on that and just kind of sharing it? I think it's really important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in uh, even if you ever seen the, the the television show The Wire, it where they expose the comp stat uh, element of police work. The point of police work is to bring crime down. Mm-hmm. And look, there's corruption that goes on with it. I was told to do things when I was a cop. I was told uh, I went to a burglary. House got broken into. Jewelry was stolen, and my sergeant came, and he didn't want to take the burglary stat because that was a more substantial stat that was going to make him look bad, make the city look bad. So he said, hey, Steve, here's what we know. There was a trespassing, and there's property missing. So you should do a trespassing report and and then do a separate missing property report, not a burglary. So, so, but, so they're incentivized the to have lower crime stats. Crime, come, we, want, we want to live in a safe community. We want to live in Mayberry. But the perverse incentives the FBI now has is they want to bring crime stats up because they want to be able to justify their budget, give us more money. We want more responsibility, more power, renew 702 because we need this. Look how bad things are. It's a power grab for them because at the federal level, uh, more is good for them as opposed to less. Because when Congress looks at it, it's not from a, a safety standpoint. Congress just always says, like, throw money at the problem. So the bigger the problem is, the more money we'll throw at it. Uh, and it's it's completely turned on its head what you would see typically from a, a manager of a law enforcement agency. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it's also really upsetting. Um, so let's talk about juicing stats here. And then we're going to pivot over into some of the culture war type things where we've got probably another uh, few minutes we can talk about this one. So this is an article. I'm going to bring it up here on the screen. I know you've read it, Steve. Um, this is an article written by at The Intercept. This is actually not written by Trevor Aronson, although I absolutely expected it to be when I looked at it. It's written by a guy named um, uh, Murtaza Hazan, and it says the FBI groomed a 16-year-old with quote-unquote brain development issues to become a terrorist. An undercover FBI agent befriended this teenager online, and when he turned 18, he was arrested for supporting ISIS. Allow me just to read a little bit of this, if you would. It says, uh, the Justice Department announced the arrest of a teenager in Massachusetts on allegations of providing financial support to the Islamic State. A flurry of reports picked up the arrest of Matteo Ventura, obviously a a classic, classic ISIS ISIS recruit, right? Uh, Matteo Ventura, and I guess the, uh, the brown face of brown supremacy. 
and an 18-year-old resident of a sleepy town called Wakefield echoing government claims uh, that an international terrorist financier and ISIS supporter had just been busted in the United States. Let's leave it at that for a second. Um, do you have any idea how much money was involved in his financing of ISIS there, Mr. Steve? I think he was sending like $25 gift cards, right? For sure. Does that that's uh, that's material that's support. material support of an organization that I, this was at the tail end of ISIS where they're actually when ISIS became was was right. Twenty five dollars was definitely keeping them afloat. Yes. From is is to was was uh, as the pronouns that they have been destroyed. They have been doing this for a while now. This is something that I think is the biggest piece of this. It says the arrest has shaken his family who. Um, who denied allegations that their son was a terrorist and said that he'd been manipulated by the FBI. Obviously, this goes back to the time he was 16 years old, where you're not even cognitively developed yet, and all kinds of bad ideas flow from it. Ventura's father, a guy named Paul Ventura, told The Intercept that Mateo suffered from a childhood development issue and had been forced to leave his school due to bullying from other students. He was born prematurely. He had brain development issues. And uh, at, at, while he was at school, I had to do a neurosurgical evaluation on him. And they said his brain was underdeveloped. He was suffering endlessly from bullying at school with other kids taking food off his plate, tripping him in the hallway, humiliating him, laughing at him. This is the uh, this is the kind of guy that we definitely need to get as FBI agents. And I'm going to read, if you don't mind, just a little bit here. I'm going to pop it up on the screen. Contrary to the sensational narratives fed to the news media of terrorist financing in the United States, the charging documents show that Ventura gave an FBI undercover agent uh, a pitiful amounts of money, sometimes in $25 increments during his initial bid to travel for the Islamic State. The teenager balked, making up an excuse by the FBI's own account to explain why he did not want to go. And then giving another opportunity to travel abroad, he balked again, staying home on the evening he was supposed to fly instead of traveling to the airport. By the time the investigation wound down, he appeared ready to turn in his purported ISIS contact, who was an FBI agent, to the FBI. It's just so gross. It's, I mean, they prompted this kid. They dragged him across the line. And the whole way, kicking and screaming, as, as developmentally, mentally challenged as he was, he still didn't want to do it. But because he was, he can't obviously present a, a verbal argument back effectively enough where he was like, no, I don't really want to do it. Whereas you and I were like, no, I'm just not interested. Well, then it's over. It's over. Any sort of justification that you have for continuing to investigate this guy that means he said no and then they went back we're like hey well, let's go poke him again why would you do that to somebody? it's it's the pepe the frog meme of the fbi hat wearing guy poking the frog with a stick saying come on friend come on friend do a terrorism right yeah. i just had it on true social the other day um this is the fbi's mo will you compare that a little bit to what you saw and i know that you weren't an investigator but you guys got briefed up on the gretchen whitmer case and i just want people to see it doesn't matter the color of skin it doesn't matter the ideology when we talk about juicing the stats this is what we're talking about yeah i mean that was the case there there were like four guys that wound up getting charged uh and there was points where they this wolverine watchman group was being completely run by the informants and the undercovers to get these guys who uh, were not predisposed to commit any sort of crime, uh, the organization itself was falling apart. If there was an organization at one point, and the uh, the agent, the case agent, was talking to his um, his informant, saying like, "No, hold it together." So this was an actual. If there was an even an, uh, a nefarious group of actors that was going to do something evil, and then they were like, "No, I, th I thought better of it," then you let them go. 
That's there's no difference than the 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 bank robbery uh, crew that like on the way to rob the Bank of America, somebody in the backseat is like, hey guys, this is probably a bad idea, and they're like, yeah, you're right, let's call it off, and then you swoop in and arrest them. Meanwhile. Three of the five guys in the car, in the car are undercover. Right, and the and the pre crime just says it has to get done. So, um, interestingly, and uh, I'll give folks that are sitting and watching on the live, and if you're watching on the replay, even, or if you're listening in your car and you need to turn it down for one second, I'm going to say something that one of my buddies mentioned to me out of Washington field office, and it goes exactly with what you said. Um, something quite funny to get. So, if you're if you need to be censored, please do so. But what he said was, it couldn't be gayer working for the FBI right now as if they were actual anal sex. And uh, he said, we're actually gayer than that, which is a shocking thing to state. But this is the sentiment of people that signed up to actually fight crime, that actually signed up to go after places like ISIS. Uh, in this particular instance, my friend spent a significant amount of time overseas doing serious counterterrorism work and was one of the lead sources of information, not just for the FBI, but also for the entire intelligence community. Really an, a national treasure when it comes to intel assets. And that was his statement to me right now. How disillusioned you know, are the people in the bureau when that's the way they feel. And, uh, and I don't think I've ever heard him say anything just like that before. So I don't know. Well, <laughs> and this, and this whole intercept expose is very much aligned with your experience where you're doing surveillance. And that guy wasn't in Florida. Sure. You were watching where he had, he had some mental problems. He had undergone there's a physical torture. Yeah. And that it's just, there's, it's a drop in the ocean. Yeah, the, I mean, there's cases. dozens of these cases, and and Aronson does a great job reporting on them for going back over a decade. You know, it's always been a thing with the the cases talking about uh, the Islamo type terrorists, but it's white supremacists now. It's anti government, anti authorities. It's potentially people who are sitting out there in the chat. So welcome to the watch list, y'all. I'm sure it's you and I. That if there was a possibility, and so I will say it again, and I'll I'll get your uh, I'll get your take on it as well, Steve. But the my overwhelming advice to people is if you happen to meet somebody in an online chat group, if they happen to be in our live chat out there, which we've been capturing uh, as part of our video footage and our, our live stream. If you happen to meet someone who agrees with all of your worst ideas, specifically those that include violence or operational um, activities, and they are willing to not only encourage you, but they are willing to help you execute said ideas, and they're willing to do it for exactly the amount of money you have. Let's say you know nothing about explosives, but you got 800 bucks, and somebody's willing to give you a bomb for $650 because they know you can afford it. That is a Fed. That is what a Fed looks like. Like, or that person wants to introduce you to their buddy who is a uh, explosive expert, because usually what happens is you have a a source first, a confidential human source that will move you to the undercover, and the undercover will then be able to be the explosive expert or the tactical king, and then all the stuff they give you is going to be inert, which is very interesting. Wouldn't it be interesting to find out that those inert devices were actually created in a government agency and handed over to someone, and then that person actually ended up being able, trying to set up somebody else? What if that was the case? Because I've, I've, I've constantly thought one agency could have been setting up a terrorist operation and another agency trying to dismantle it, because we are that close from that being the case. And that seems like it is one of the more probable things that could have happened on January 6th. And then both of them would have egg on their face. So nobody's going to get caught. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a totally plausible thing. I mean, I think that's, you know, you could apply that to the, the Vegas shooting, the mystery around that, where there could have been maybe a, a, a plot to, oh, he's running guns uh, to our organization. Then And then there's a counterterrorism aspect to it. Multiple agencies were not communicating with each other. And instead, we just... Down the memory hole, the Jeffrey Epstein memory hole, this one's going to go, and we're just going to move on with their lives and talk about bump stocks. Uh, but I will add the one thing that you left out about the, all the people that you meet online that agree with all your worst ideas. 
they're only going to be able to communicate with you on Monday to Friday from eight to five. Outside of that, you know, they're, they're, there's going to be radio silence. Well, they're not getting enough uh, of that uh, AVP, AVP, which we talked about earlier. That AVP <laughs> doesn't necessarily cover you on the weekends because you've got, you know, uh, I have seen undercovers do meets uh, on those days. As a surveillance guy, we would work seven days a week when it was appropriate. And you're 100% right. They want to set those ops up during a nice, you know, middle of the week setup where they've got all the agents available to come and do their thing. And they're not going to inconvenience anybody. Oh, yeah. The and, and, the, and the transaction's going to happen like on a Friday in the morning. <laughs> So that they can, so they can, the, so they can kick the off early. Too. <laughs> yes, exactly that. All right, folks, I'm gonna uh, bring up a, a video on the screen real quick. This one has a little bit less advertisements. People are complaining about my my lack of uh, screening out the ads, and there's nothing I can do about that. We don't have the high production value to pull these videos off. So this is one guy running it on the fly. Let me uh, play you this video about how upset. These uh, these Karen types, these leftist women are, and it's all women. It turns out that are really really mad about you not respecting Pride Month. So let's play that real quickly. Parents and teachers outraged over the response to a middle school pride event. Now families are demanding school officials do more to protect LGBTQ students. WBZ's Nick Giovanni's live in Burlington with reaction, Nick. Okay, the incident behind this happened two Fridays ago here at Simmons Middle School. We're told a group of students started chanting, my pronouns are USA. And tore down some rainbow banners while another group of students was setting up a pride display. Now, during a school committee meeting last night here in Burlington, the school committee chair condemned the incident but declined any specifics on disciplinary action, stressing the students involved were eighth graders. She added that there have been several discussions on the subject between staff and students over the last several days. But the room full of parents, mostly of LGBTQ kids, argued that school officials needed to take a stronger stand and use the incident as a teaching moment. It would be naive of us to think that what happened at the middle school won't escalate into something more tragic in the future. The acceptance and visibility of LGBTQIA people is not being shoved down your throats, it's being normalized, finally, and thank goodness. Middle school should be a safe place for all students to express themselves, to make mistakes, and to learn from each other. Several people in attendance last night called out the recent disbanding of the district's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Now, the superintendent promised that hiring someone to relaunch that effort is a top priority this summer. Live in Burlington, Nick Giovanni, WBZ News. So thanks, Nick Giovanni. Oh, there it goes. Thanks, Nick Giovanni. And uh, we're really glad for that uh, outstanding stand-up reporting. At least he picked a uh, busy spot next to a street there. The, <laughs> the, the best for me is that these are all like... I mean, it is Vermont, so there probably are just a lot of like white women there, but they are all just, um, you know, concerned. And there was apparently an entire an entire room full of LGBTQ uh, wannabes in this uh, in this little town. Burlington's not that big. I actually looked at moving there at one point. That's that's Bernie Sanders town, man. He was the mayor there. But uh, yeah, I think Jesse Kelly says liberal white women are the worst people on earth. And you can. And you could just see that exuding out of the breathlessness, the stress that they're undergoing. I do really like the the comment that this is the time for people to make mistakes. And I thought like like cutting off your testicles. Yeah, that seems like a pretty serious mistake. Um, I want to play another video. This is the same kind of uh, reaction. So we're going to pull this thing in. And uh, this is more breathlessness, but also I think a funnier take. These displays of intolerance and homophobia 
are unacceptable. This type of intolerant rhetoric starts in the home. Parents angry at town hall over intolerance at Marshall Simons Middle School. Kids were asked to wear rainbow clothes in honor of Pride Spirit Day, but some organized a counter protest wearing red, white, and blue or black. The principal sharing a statement to families that Pride posters were ripped down, stickers ripped up, some students chanted USA are my pronouns, and students showing pride were intimidated. It was an unruly disruption, in fact, that was organized ahead of time. While some parents were upset, others say it was overblown. Okay, one second. We just saw this lady. She looked like she is a human being that would transform into a mouse, like in a Harry Potter movie. She has these little, like, glasses. She is a community member. She's not a parent. She's a lady that is very, very upset about the meanness. And then I want to contrast that with the only sane voice of all the things we've heard right now. Are you ready for this one, Steve? Here she goes. Ready? This is the, the actual parent. Some of the kids threw the stickers on the ground, but you know, I can only speak for my daughter. She just, she didn't want to wear that to school. It's not that she wanted to hurt anybody's feelings. She says her daughter felt coerced to participate in the Pride event and was offended by some of the messages, like this quote from Tennessee Williams. Human heart cannot be straight. It is curves and winds. And my daughter just kind of said, you know, mom, that's that's offensive to, to me, who I am straight. But even parents like her, opposed to the Pride Month celebration, say the ripping of posters was wrong. I think destructing any property is wrong. I think, you know, that I just think that was wrong. My thing that I teach my kids is just be kind. And I wish the schools would just kind of pump the brakes on what they're shoving down these kids' throats. And there it is, right? So that's exactly what it comes down to. Can you just pump the brakes? And that's the pushback right now. But you got to love kids chanting USA, kids that uh, actually care about this country, that have a flag the same way that you have sitting behind you there, Steve. And uh, they don't want this. This is not something that is a winner. And, and yet they, uh, they have to act like... People are demanding it. And so part of the crushing dissent means that we have to shame them. We have to other them. We have to make them inhuman and try to uh, push them out. It sounds like someone asked you to run for school board because of these types of uh, policies. Yeah, I'm actually going to have a con contact with the woman today from Moms for Liberty about it because they're uh, it's not, I don't know if it's something I'm going to actually look into. But, uh, you know, I think that they're just looking for uh, a, any port in a storm, any port of perceived sanity. Uh, versus what we saw in that video there where, look, and I'll just say this Kyle Serafin show where, where political correctness goes to die. Um, <laughs> the actual visual presentation of the, the mom at the end versus the community member, the community member who is uh, just, she's not physically an attractive person. Correct. And she's taken that pent up rage maybe about that as opposed to like developing her personality and skills and making herself a, a nice person. Everybody wants to be around despite how she looks and is just going to try to school marm everybody into her ideology versus the mom at the end who was objectively a very beautiful woman and confident and was not afraid to, to say things. I mean, it's, it's it, the contrast there was just like so obvious to me. It's, it's and, so perfect. Now, you talk about pushing back the port in the storm. Um, uh, we had somebody in the uh, in the chat just mentioning, how about history, chemistry, physics, biology? How about math? How about teaching? And uh, and that's why I want to bring this one up right here. This is uh, coming from Robbie Starbucks' uh, Twitter account. This is a, a shot, a, a short video. It's only uh, 25 seconds or so of uh, 
kids that are at the Eddington High School in Huntington Beach, California. This is a math class. This is not uh, some sort of like civics lesson. And this is the reaction they had to people showing them a pride video. So right now on the screen, we're seeing a pride flag and some chicks are gonna start kissing in a second for some reason. These kids do not want that stuff. <laughs> I should just have that on a track that I just uh, run. So these kids are absolutely, first of all, they're embarrassed because they're in high school and they don't want to see this stuff. Like it's a, like it's the worst and most awkward time probably for them to be seeing this thing. But uh, you've got this teacher who does, as you said, the school mom routine where she's yelling like, if you don't stop it and respect the pronouns, like we're going to do Saturday school. It's it's the worst. It's the worst way that you can be. And, uh, and all these kids are like looking down. Nobody wants to make eye contact. And it's just, it's absurd in a math class. Why a math class? It, it has no place at all, but it, it's definitely this, her prime directive was I'm going to show this video. And even with the, because it's a captive audience, they can't yeah. really do anything outside of that. And uh, if they were going to push back at all, she was going to make them go through the breakfast club and just have Saturday school forever. That's it. Actually, the other day uh, I was talking to, to George Hill and I, I created a little chat group with him and Garrett O'Boyle because we had breakfast together. And I just sent the breakfast club out to them because uh, it's a it's a timely reminder of that. Yeah, you're going to get Saturday school. You're going to be in the breakfast club if you don't like our pronoun nonsense, if you can't just agree to be part of the polite society that we're creating, which well, is and, super tolerant and to, unless you have other ideas. To jump back to one video, there was the one, I, I hesitate to call him a man, but he was speaking and he said, this is a problem that starts in the home. And that is the whole pushback that the schools are now after the COVID lockdowns, where we saw it was being pushed out in schools where they believe that the children belong to them. And they want to infringe on what goes on in your home and, and are now openly saying it in form. Like, this problem needs to be resolved in the home. Well, well, how would you propose that you do that? They want you to think the way they want you to think. That's what they mm -hmm. do. Uh, we're going to continue to resist that here. I saw Mama Jean said, concentrate on teaching math. She used an expletive that we won't necessarily use. But I think we can all agree that the rage is building up. And this is a big frustration. Um, folks. Steve Friend is going to probably join us on Fridays. We can actually work it into part of his employment uh, regime. But today, he's going to be telling you quickly about his book. The uh, The link is in the show notes. You can order it. It is now a bestseller in its category on Amazon. That's the easiest way to do it. And they don't make that much money. Amazon doesn't make that much money on it. But Steve will at least be able to pump those numbers and show the FBI who's boss. Tell them a little bit about where they can follow you and uh, what they can expect in your book, Steve. Thank you. Uh, on Twitter, at real Steve friend on truth social at real underscore Steve friend. The, the book is called true blue, my journey from beat cop to suspended FBI whistleblower, uh, came out published this week. You can order it on Amazon and it is a, a personal memoir, uh, and then got a chance to tell some of the funny cop stories, um, that I've, you know, I've told a million times and have edited down and same thing with the FBI stories. And then the second half of the book is mostly about the, the whistleblowing process and my concerns and a little more detail than you, you typically get, uh, or I get the opportunity to talk about like on TV for a couple minutes. Uh, so I, I, I'm just hoping that people get a chance to look at it. Uh, the FBI demanded I redact large swaths of this book and I refuse to do that. So you get the full 
the full context of everything. Um, there's nothing in there that's state secrets. It just belongs to the to the to the country. Everybody needs to, to get their eyes on it. That is it. So, folks, you can go and order True Blue again on Amazon, trending number one. There's an audiobook if you are so inclined. And I want to say thanks, Steve. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for adding your uh, your additional takes on this commentary. And um, I'm going to go ahead and close us out here, folks, with a five star review. I've been neglecting putting one up for a while. This is one that came in on. Apple, which is where you can go. There's a link in the description so you can give us a five-star review on Apple. This one says, you were chosen for such a time as this, written by Bingjiel. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It says, hey, Kyle, let me start by saying, I really appreciate the work you do and all of the dirt that you have helped uncover. I know some is firsthand and others, you're just a conduit that spreads the message. But without your courage and without the courage of several others I've been hearing on your show, none of this would be exposed. And just as Esther's cousin told her in the Bible, in Esther 4, 14, you were chosen for such a time as this. I'm sending prayers your way and sincerely towards the other whistleblowers. I know you all will expose the corruption. Thank you sincerely, M. Bingiel. I hope I said that correctly. Thanks so much for giving us those five-star reviews. Folks, we are almost at 550 of those. Uh, this is Father's Day weekend. It's an important time to remember that there is a a need for families to be strong and for you to be a strong voice, a testosterone-driven male, if you will, for your children. So please do that. Thanks for all of you that joined us in the live chat. Again, you can always find us streaming live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, at least for now. Um, this is going to be at 8.30 Texas America time. It's 9.30 on the East Coast. We saw many of you here today. Please make sure that you hit the like button as you are on your way out. Make sure that you subscribe so you can get this content. And if you liked what you heard, you can always share it on all of your favorite platforms. You can find me at Kyle Serafin on Truth Social and on Twitter. And we will see you again after the weekend. Thanks you so much for joining us. I look forward to a, uh, a restful weekend, and we'll talk about dads on the other end of this one. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash kyleserafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.